welcome to the 15-minute juice, where we discuss physical therapy, rehabilitation, return to sport after injury, training, and all things fitness, while also answering burning daily questions, broach the juiciest weekly topics, and educate the masses on the proper algorithm for optimizing their lifestyle. It's fast, it's concise, it's informative, it's juicy. Buy Optimizers Masszymes, 100% plant-based, naturally derived, best digestive enzyme blend out there right now. Highly concentrated with enzymes that digest proteins, starches, sugars, fibers, and fats. Helps to relieve indigestion, gas, bloating, and fatigue after meals. Take it with the meals to enhance the digestion and nutrient absorption. Also helps to improve recovery after hard exercise and hard efforts. So go to buyoptimizers.com and use code JUICY for 10% off. All right. Mike, welcome back to another episode of the 15-Minute Juice. Today's special episode is on Veterans Day, and so I wanted to take a moment to... Um, to thank all the veterans who have served and who um, are no longer with us that served our country. So, um, you know, again, this is an important day. So make sure that when you're done listening to our special 15 minute juice, that you go out and you go thank a veteran. So um, I want to make sure that we let off the, the podcast or the 15 minute juice, juice, I should say, um, with, you know, a thank you to the service members out there. I have many friends that are, um, you know, uh, former military. So I just want to you know thank all them as well. Um, and Jeffrey, who is the facilities director down here at Pride, um, he was a drill instructor in the Marine Corps for 23 years. So, um, you know, just pretty neat to be around, especially being down here in Florida. I'd have to say that the the amount of respect for the military and law enforcement is at its highest level. So uh, without further ado, we won't really get too much into that now. Um, I did want to hit on a topic that I kind of posted about the other day um, that's really important. As a matter of fact, right before we jumped on this call, I had Daniel from the QuickBoard come in and we were going through some of the stuff with the QuickBoard and and showing the staff members down here how that operates and, and maybe trying to bring that in as a piece down here. Uh, it'll definitely be a part of my program, but I wanted to introduce it to them. Uh, but we talked a little bit about concussions, you know, and, and some of the things that that this quick board can do with concussions. But I want to kind of pose the question here is the impact. What is the impact concussions have on potential ACL tears? And so uh, let me just pull this up with without my glasses on. The recent data that relates concussion to an increased risk of musculoskeletal injury is in line with prior studies that point to neurological risk factors in anterior cruciate ligament injuries. So is there an impact and is there a correlation between having a concussion and tearing your ACL? Well, from what's been analyzed, you know, referencing Dr. Trent Nessler and his presentation that you know, he did about this looking at the amount of research that he does, you know, um, 
with after concussion, there's like a 1.6 to 2.9 times greater risk for any type of lower kinetic chain injury, which means any type of injury in the lower extremity. And that can be for up to two years post-concussion. Um, and that's just because of, you know, a lot of the deficits that take place after, you know, that trauma to the brain, um, you know, to kind of be a little specific, you know, there's that dynamic balance, you know, there's a three time greater risk of um, a concussion with poor dynamic balance. So if they don't have good control and awareness, I mean, that's going to, you know, uh, throw their body in a, in a more uh, inopportune position, whether they're moving around or they just can't control their body. Maybe their body hits and jars at different angles, or maybe they fall a lot more, you know, um, or even if they try to like head the ball or, you know, receive, you know, the ball, um, and then they're not as stable. Well, now they're, so say they're not as stable in general. Now you have a flying object coming at you and you're trying to stabilize that. It's just this external stimulus and the body is just trying to respond to that. So it's almost like the, you know, the, the balance and the strength and, and all that type of stability work really kind of bulletproofs the athlete. And a lot of these, you know, um, a lot of athletes, you know, especially at the high school level, don't have that foundation. So, you know, they uh, a hit will probably be more um, detrimental to them, you know, than maybe some other athletes a little bit better condition. Maybe they could get away with a more jarring movement, um, you know, without sustaining a concussion if they're if they're more uh, fit in a lot of these areas than an athlete that's not. You know, so but some of the things that happen if we look at you know the center of mass. So if the center of mass is like if you look at the pelvis and that's my point of how much my torso will flex forward and back or I'll rotate. So that's the center point, how much I deviate from that center point. So a lot of things you'll see is corkscrewing. So if you look at someone do a single leg uh, squat and it's almost like the leg off the floor will kind of wind back. So they look like they're doing like a corkscrew motion. You'll see that from lack of control in the glutes uh, as well as, you know, the core, you know, loss of balance, um, the more times it takes for them to try to correct a strategy. So when you see they hop, they have to do a couple of bounces to get their balance. They can't stick the landing, you know, um, it's not even so much about the valgus angle. I think that's an outdated thing talking about valgus valgus. It's the magnitude, how fast that valgus occurs. It's the speed in which it's happening. Yeah. And then you add other factors into that, the fatigue that's happening on the player, you know, whether, you know, the type of field and then obviously another player or impact, you know, they all, they all add to, you know, um, a lot of the, the diff, a lot of the uh, injury risk because you're adding all these other factors in, you know, so um, that's kind of really what is highlighted in there uh, with the, you know, with the concussion. Um, Are we missing something in physical therapy to prepare these athletes better? Because, if there is a true correlation between a concussion and then up to two years, I thought I even read up to three years where three years, you might be at 1.6, you know, times that, that risk. So three years out from a concussion, explain to everybody what the disconnect is, is then. Well, in a lot of these therapy facilities, they're not doing anything that's challenging them neurocognitively or tracking progress. And that might be just because they don't have the equipment available or, you know, maybe the therapist doesn't do it. So 
if a therapist is not doing it, it's usually they're just doing a lot of stuff. You know, you see traditional type of exercises, the leg press, the resisted side steps, the squats, but no one's really looking at what those movements look like. A lot of this stuff is, you know, subjective. So, you know, again, looking at single leg hop tests and how far they could jump from point A to point B, but not measuring the mechanics and what's happening from point A to point B or what that athlete is doing to get the point A to point B. Um, you know, we've talked about that before on previous episodes, but then again, you know, as they're going from point A to point B, what other stimuli are happening? Because when they're in therapy, you're in a very controlled environment, you know, um, even if it is a busy clinic, you're, you're in an environment that's not the field that you're playing on in your sport. You're not there with the adrenaline with, you know, uh, spectators, weather field, you know, the opposing players that are going to try to obviously beat you for the ball, you know? Uh, so there's all those other factors that can um, really take away from concentration. So when they're going from point A to point B and they're focused on something else, can they trust that their leg or their body is moving where it needs to be? A lot of athletes will look at their foot or they need to use a mirror to understand movement. They can't feel for, wow, that feels stable or that doesn't feel stable. Um, some of these uh, young kids have no awareness of their bodies whatsoever. The fact that they play sports is mind-blowing to me. Again, it's not to be insulting, but it should be awareness to these parents that keep saying, I'm going to push my kid, push my kid. They're really great. And it's like, but, you know, they're really not. There's a lot of developmental issues here. And the whole purpose of these episodes is to educate them on, on this stuff, to make you aware, like, look, see what they're doing here. This could be better. This needs to improve, you know, but there's not enough focus. It's just literally just chase after the ball, just go and do the sports specific stuff, run these drills. So, in, in, you know, in therapy, if we, if we implement more of these things and we track them kind of what, like what the quick board will do, you know, um, we did talk about reaction pause. We want to also be able to see, can we track, are they getting, you know, more touches in reaction to a certain stimulus? Are they getting there faster? You know, um, are they following directions better? You know, sometimes they can't even follow the directions of what you're saying because they're so, it's too many things like, you know, run here, you know, plant on this leg and then go and, you know, touch the wall or run here and then feel the ball and go and touch this for them to be able to continue to do that, especially on the fatigue you know, your, your mind starts to kind of uh, drain from that. And, you know, that, that's kind of a lot of the principle of stuff that came up, you know, sharing my experience with, you know, doing obstacle course racing and Spartan racing, you know, coach Yancey Culp developed his training to give that stimulus of what it's like in a race for people being so beaten down from the things that a race throws at you that his training simulated that. Can you do this and stay focused. Can you do this and can you stay focused, you know, um, when you're really tired or, you know, can you, uh, can you follow the course line? How many people get lost on course and actually Spartan races to do stuff where you come to an obstacle and they make you memorize a number. You would get to the next obstacle, like, I don't know, maybe five minutes later and say, what was that number? And if you didn't get it right, uh, you know, how, I forgot how they were tracking that or whatever, but they had little skill sets like that, like neurocognitive stuff. Can I still focus while under stress. And we know there's a lot of that type of training that goes into military training, goes into all that. But, you know, when you're looking at the demands that a lot of these kids are under when they're playing these sports and in these tournaments and these high pressure situations, you know, it's, it's hard for a lot of them to be able to follow those directions. And it's being missed. A lot of parents and coaches just aren't seeing that as much, or maybe they see it and they're not doing anything to address it. But, you know, even in the clinic, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I say, go on your left side and 
and they like got to think about it or they go on their other side. I'm like, no, I meant your left side. That's a lot. They like switch. Yeah. Yeah. They got to do the hand signal. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to, we don't need to talk about which high school does that. I got to call them out, but there is oh, one high school that nice. the girls don't know left from right around here. Oh, you go, you go. I said, you don't really seriously have to put your thumbs out, your fingers up like that to figure out your left and right. Do you? No, I mean, and you don't have time to do that when you're, when you're on a field, you have to react. So, you know, so yeah. So, I mean, these are definitely gaps in the training philosophies. There was another piece to that, that I wanted to read also. It said, uh, of particular relevance, non-contact ACL injuries have been associated with lower neurocognitive function in non-concussed athletes, athletes, which suggested that neurocognitive differences may be associated with the loss of neuromuscular control and coordination errors leading to increased ACL injury. So is it between, if you've had a concussion in them two years, are you more prone in a non-contact or a contact or does that not matter does it just have to do with the concussion and making sure that you're coming back on the right protocol yeah i mean uh oh you know a lot of it also too i guess it depends on you know and you know how what type of contact is happening i mean these things are going to be obviously differently in football you know uh lacrosse you know then maybe you know sometimes you know with some other maybe like uh, field hockey or soccer but then again, these sports are getting a lot more, you know, aggressive. And as players, you know, start to develop in terms of size and, and even just speed naturally, you know, they, um, you know, the ball's moving faster, you know, and even like field hockey. I mean, you know, they, they whack that ball and getting hit in the head with that, you know, or yep. coming in for something and a stick coming up and whacking you in the head. I mean, there's a lot of things that go there. So I think it's just, I, I still think it comes down to, it's the foundation that we keep hammering, the overall resilience of, of these athletes, you know, they, they want to play these sports that require a lot of demand on the body and they don't have the foundation to do it. It comes back to the car analogy. You know, you have a very powerful car, you know, with, you know, an engine and horsepower and you want to drive it, but your alignment is off or you have really crappy wheels on it. How, how long do you really think that that car is going to last? And that's what's happening with a lot of these kids they are pushing and they're pushing, they're pushing, and they're not doing enough to address their foundation and, you know, it's just that's where they're kind of crashing. And then they're trying to pick up and put the pieces together. And a lot of them, they want to they wanna rush to get back. And they're not taking enough time to do that. So I think with the objective measures now with a lot of this technology, we're able to see, are they really ready? Are they, are they you know, are they showing progress? Are they better? Um, and even right and left brain talking to one another, right? Yeah. And then even going back, you know, into earlier stage, you know, concussion stuff, um, you know, because we see that there's been a lot of issues going on in the NFL. You know, there was the issue with uh, Tua from, you know, um, from Miami, you know, and, and what's going on there with being released maybe a little early, you know. Uh, there's a lot of cover-up with stuff like that. So we don't really know the true story, but obviously it was too soon. But, you know, there's, there's checkpoints that you look for when you're working with these concussions in the clinic. And it's when you expose them to different stimuli, what is their reaction and how are they feeling? And, uh, you know, some of them, you could keep and tell, even if they're trying to fudge it or lie, you could tell, like, how well they're able to respond. And even if, you know, you're doing some of those subjective tests, like, you know, reacting to things or maybe doing 
uh, multiple tasks, like you know, even like walking on a treadmill and reading or counting backwards or trying to count stuff, you know, there's ways where they could kind of like, you know, fudge those answers. But when you have something in terms of a more objective measures like technology that's really tracking, you know, what's going on, that's going to make it easier for us to see, yeah, well, you know, they're really not doing well, you know, so that, that's really, that's really the future. So yeah, again, there's going to be a lot of places that, that maybe can't afford to get that type of equipment right away or don't have access to it. But if they start thinking along the lines of looking at the standards that technology is, is setting, they could try to find ways to be creative in their clinic in, you know, minimizing the risk for error, you know, with a lot of these tests and, and look at that and try to, you know, establish it almost like when Bob measures how much lateral shift do they do with a, uh, you know, an, a single leg RDL pattern, you know, uh, yeah, it's not as objective as having sensors on there, but it's just a thought process of, okay, instead of just looking at the single leg squat and saying it doesn't look as stable, let's maybe just try to find ways to kind of measure and however creativity you could be. Right. It's just kind of thinking to that next level of really tracking progress. Yeah, and uh, before we jumped on to the uh, to the 15 minute juice, we were kind of talking off off air, so to speak, about the um, the difference between maybe reaction lights and and the quick board and how it can gather the data to really show us. Now, again, when I spoke to Daniel today about the concussion part, it's something that they're still working on. But to me, um, you know, that that's a that's a pretty important piece that we can really tie in. Now, again, is someone seeing a physical therapist on a mild concussion? And then, you know, like we can, can we start to split hairs here and be like, well, does a mild concussion put you in the same category? I mean, is it just a concussion across the board just kind of puts you at more of a potential ACL risk? Yeah, I think, you know, even if there's mild symptoms, you know, you want to address that early, just like anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, we used to think that you would just lock people in a room with the lights off you know, and uh, you know, obviously we don't do that. So the sooner you could address this stuff before it starts to magnify, you know, the better, you know, um, because then you're not going to let it get to the point where it's like really bad, you know, it's just obviously getting to those issues and trying to address them before it becomes to the point where it starts affecting other systems and other problems, you know? Right. So if you fix that neurocognitive stuff, that might be why the reason why they're not doing a single leg squat or jumping properly because they have those issues going on. And if you're, if you're neglecting that, you're not fixing it, that could be the whole reason. And then if you start addressing those things, then all of a sudden the movement patterns improve, you know? So that could be an issue. So you don't, you don't want to rule that out. Should all athletes that get concussed, should they be going to, to see physical therapy or should they just take their two week break? I mean, I would, I would, it can't hurt to get a screening and just see, I mean, you know, a lot like, you know, in my clinic, we offer free screenings. So come on in and, you know, you could do a screening. I mean, you know, I have Kelsey in there, you know, and she's available to just try to take a look, you know, um, and just see like, does this need PT, you know, or are you going to be okay? Or is it something, you know, let's just kind of monitor, you know, or maybe are there some things that could give you to practice on your own and see how you do, you know, again, it's all about preventative instead of letting these things manifest, you know? And I'll tell you what, the other thing, too, with with football in particular, American football, I would love to know if they are or maybe they'll go back and do some kind of study to see an athlete who was concussed 
And in that time frame of two to three years past that concussion, did they suffer another lower body injury? Right. I don't know if that's being studied yet, but I spoke to one of the physical therapists down here, uh, Dr. Kyle Paxton, and he was even saying not to wish bad luck on anybody by any means. Right. But he said he wouldn't be surprised if Tua for the Dolphins ended up with a some kind of lower body injury and even even worse, maybe an ACL injury within the next two years. Yeah, he's running a real thin line. It's a shame to start off your career, you know, so early and and have to be in that hole, yeah. you know. Um, and you know, again, that's why it's like you know they're trying to make changes across the league on how they're doing stuff, but there's only so much. I mean, it's a violent sport, you know, and unfortunately these things happen. But um, you know, I think that you know, again, he has to advocate for himself, like we preach to all, you know, the high school, college athletes. There's only so much your institution and your program can do for you. And not everybody has a luxury of being involved in a high end program, like some of these division one schools or some of these like private charter schools that might have really good programs there to take care of their kids. So it really comes down to us getting the education out like this to the parent and the athlete to advocate for themselves and get in with somebody to do that. And it's the same thing for these pro athletes, you know, they have to go and they have to, really work one-on-one with trainers. You know, they keep, uh, you know, in the latest news talking about Odell Beckham Jr. coming back and is he ready? I mean, I've listened to his trainer, Chris Knott, on a podcast before. You know, I follow him on Instagram. He sounds like a pretty smart guy. So I think he's doing the right work with him. But, you know, a lot of these guys have their private trainers that they have to work on. So that would obviously be the best for someone like Tua to be able to seek that out and be like, you know what, I'm going to work on these things, you know, especially on the offseason, I understand that I've had a lot of these these injuries. I'm going to do the best I can to try to really limit the risk. You know, and some of them will do it, some of them won't. Or, you know, sometimes the agents, you know, don't advocate enough. I mean, there's a lot of pieces that go into that. But it really comes down to the, the athletes have to take care of themselves and put their resources and, and money into doing that. Absolutely. And, and you know, like I said uh, before, these are 15-minute little segments, so – I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole. I just want to, I would say one of the big takeaways from this segment is that anyone who suffers, whether it be mild or a severe type of concussion, you should be going to physical therapy. You should be getting at least assessed there and you should be getting, you know, um, some objective data there to really tell you when you're actually ready to get back out on the field again. So especially if you offer a free screening, I mean, you don't get anything today for free, especially with the way the economy is and the direction things are going in the country. What are you getting for free? I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I have a patient who goes to a, (laughs) goes to like yard sale and flea markets to sell stuff. And she can't even, you know, like people, you know, I won't even pay $5 for something, you know? So it's free, it's free education. And once you have that education, that's knowledge that'll never leave. So it's really, again, like uh, this is to the parents, like take the time out for your child and get them in. Like you're getting a free service. You're getting time out of us to like give you knowledge. I, I don't understand why you would turn that down. Like take the time out of your schedule, like missing a practice or something is fine. Like stand up for your kid and tell the coach, no, like we're going and we're getting this assessed. Okay. Yeah. And if that coach says something like, oh, well, if you missed this practice, blah, blah, blah that's telling you something there. Maybe you should be playing for a different team or maybe parents need to get together and have a town hall meeting with that coach. And because that's the issue, 
you know, but yeah. I mean, we know that there's, we know there's a handful of coaches that, you know, will work and say, look, I understand that that's fine, but you never know. There's some clubs and some coaches out there that are like, you know, it's to the T. If you miss this, if you do that, we don't care what it's for, which is crazy. I mean, this is this is for a child's health, you know, so. And, and just to kind of segue into the free thing, we're going to do a free plug for ourselves here. Uh, recently, I created a course specifically for parents called the ACL Return to Play for Parents. It's six chapters of basically what I could say is our greatest hits of everything that we took together, interviews that we've had with other professionals and experts in the in the uh, field of return to play. And I created a course. It's free. If you want it, hit us up. You can find me or email me at sportsrehabpa at gmail.com. And I will send that out to any parent, um, any athlete who's interested it's filled with now again. It's mainly about obviously the ACL stuff that we're that we're doing, um, but it, one of, I believe one of the pieces does have uh, Kevin Martin about the quick board. Obviously, we have Trent on there, and then there's a couple of interviews that we did with some of the surgeons. Um, but I, again, I don't want this this segment to go too far because we do promise it's about 15 to 20 minutes. Um, but yeah, so the free takeaway there is. Um, go to PT if you have had a concussion and then go to our free course for any more, um, information, but Mike, again, thank you for your time, you know, um, on this veterans day, I know you're just getting done work yourself and, um, I'm getting ready to head out onto the floor to do some training now. So I appreciate your time and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Talk to you. All right.